Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. I need to go out and hire a salesperson. I need to hire somebody that's going to make calls for me or that's going to go and make presentations for me and that sort of thing. That's not always the best idea. Today on episode 496 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the CEO and founder of Sales Fuel, Lee Smith. I'm going to ask Lee how solopreneurs can see themselves as good salespeople and much more. You can find out more about Lee along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Now, before we jump into this incredibly important topic with Lee, I want to tell you a little bit about our friends at Boomer Benefits. If you will soon have Medicare and need help with navigating this complex national health insurance program and setting up your supplemental coverage, Boomer Benefits can make Medicare easier for you. Learn more at boomerbenefits.com. Now let's welcome C. Lee Smith. Lee is the CEO and founder of SalesFuel, a Columbus, Ohio-based firm that is named one of the top 15 sales enablement vendors in 2019 by Selling Power. Lee is a Gittimer certified advisor, one of an elite group of professionals worldwide licensed to train and consult using the works of Jeffrey Gittimer. Uniquely geared to service the fast-changing sales landscape, Lee is one of the country's foremost experts on sales discovery and needs analysis, sales coaching, sales culture, hiring for sales, and sales management and leadership. Lee is a graduate of Ohio University and has earned a certificate in executive leadership from Cornell University. Lee, welcome to the show. My pleasure, David. Thank you for having me. So, Lee, you have a deep background in sales that covers so many levels. And we know without sales, there's no, no business. Sales is really one of the most critical elements for a business to succeed. What is it that you really love about your work? I really love helping people you know, unlock what's kind of keeping them from generating more revenue and having a better life. I think that, and I'm not saying that, the, that more revenue is always tied to a better life. I think those two things are also separate as much as they are together. But that's what I really like to get out of it is, is to help someone, particularly uh, you know, people in your audience, solopreneurs, for example, that uh, you know have reached a certain level but can't seem to break through that plateau, as you call it. And uh, usually it's because of uh, a reluctance to, to sell, even though you know all of us are selling. Yeah. So what is behind that reluctance? I think it's uh, part of it is the... Uh, uh, perception of salespeople. I, I think sometimes it's an erroneous perception, but sometimes you know you'll get a bad salesperson, just like you'll get a bad lawyer or a bad accountant or or, or or government official or something like that that just reinforces the negative stereotype that's out there. You know, the best salespeople these days are, are really they're really professional helpers. Uh, it's like you have a problem you need to solve. I'm here to help. You have a goal that you need to achieve. I think I can help you. And also, those are the people that also be willing to say, you know, I don't think I can help you, uh, but I know somebody who can. And those are the those are the good salespeople. The bad salespeople, we we know who they are, I and mean, that they basically just treat you like uh, treat you like dollars and treat you as a number and uh, will tell you anything to sell you anything. And that's the type of people that that we need to avoid, obviously, and that, that do a lot of harm to uh, to the profession. But I think it's that perception of that being you know, what a salesperson is. You think of the used car dealer or something like that. And really, that's just not sales today in 2019. Right. So 
you're totally right that people, especially those solopreneurs that are selling their knowledge or creativity, they are helpers. So how do you, as someone who is a sales helper, how do you help somebody who has great reluctance to recognize that she or he is really a helper to solve somebody else's problems? So if we're talking about the solopreneur yeah. in this situation, well, then it's just a matter of helping them to understand that, uh, you know, how do you use your, your powers of persuasion? How do you use your power, powers of analysis? How do you use your powers of asking great questions and listening to the, intently to the answers? And then how you ask follow-up questions after that? Guess what? That's sales. So a lot of it, it the, the starting out is, is to reposition in their mind, you know, what the mechanics of sales really are and what it's not. So it's really not twisting somebody's arm or browbeating somebody uh, until they give up and, and sign a contract or something like that. It's really about uh, repositioning in their mind, you know, really what, you know, what sales looks like for them. Okay, maybe that's what sales looks like for other people at, at the car lot or, you know, in, in some other business or whatever, but that's not what it needs to look like for you. And what I try to do with them is the same thing I, I encourage them to do with customers, which is get to know the customers on a very, on a very deep level. I mean, to understand them as people and to understand wants, needs, strengths, weaknesses, all those types of things, but also just to understand, you know, what's, what the reluctance is and what the attitudes are and kind of say, you know, that might be fine for them, but that's not what sales needs to look like for you. For you, it's like, you know, would you feel comfortable if you, in doing this and in doing this and in doing this, chances are you're already doing that. And so I think is, is to get that out of your mind that just because that's sales for everybody, for other people, and even if you believe it's all salespeople, it's like that doesn't, that doesn't need to be you. Right. Lee, do you find that with solopreneurs that the problem that they face most when it comes to generating greater revenue, especially as it relates to sales, is different for those who may be struggling to reach 100K in their business and those that may have reached several hundred thousand dollars of revenue per year in their business and they've kind of plateaued at that dollar threshold? Yeah, I mean, destination disease is a, uh, is, a, is a problem. I mean, you have a number in your head. Everybody has a number in their head about you know, what they want to make or what they think they're worth or you know, what they need to make to enjoy the life that they want to, to, to lead. And once they hit that number... They don't reset that number. They don't set it a little bit higher. And the thing, the danger in that is that, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. So someone who's desperate then to make that number, whatever, has a lot more motivation than, than somebody that's already hit the number and, and becomes a little bit complacent. The problem with that is that a lot of times as a solopreneur, you, you have the temptation then to only really think about sales. Like, oh, boy, you know, I just lost a client. I need to go out and get another client to replace them. Or, oh, gee, I'm not, I'm not hitting the number that I want to hit. I need to go out there and generate some new business. The problem of it is, is that, well, there's a sales cycle and it's going to take a while for you to do that. And so the time to realize that you need to generate new business is not when it's too late. So when, when you realize that you need it, it's already too late. It's best to actually already, already be generating a new business on, on a regular basis and then dealing with how are you going to service and support it and, and uh, handle it well. How much of it is a new business problem and how much of it is selling more to existing clients? Selling more to existing clients is always easier, always easier than going out and, and establishing a new relationship. Although I would you know, also encourage you then to take a look at your best customers and the ones that you really enjoy working with, the ones that you have the most impact with, and the ones that also pay you, obviously, 
and take a look at them and, and view that as your ideal client profile and, and try to find other clients then that are a lot like them. And that's why I think it can be very energizing then to bring on a new client then as long as they match your ideal customer profile, uh, you know, that, that can you know, really help get you out of bed in the morning and, and keep you from getting stuck in a routine. So, Lee, I, I wondered if you could walk us through some basic steps that someone who has plateaued in revenue should think about taking in order to smash that plateau that they've hit? Well, I will, I will agree with you what, uh, what we were talking about earlier, that always better to try to grow your existing client base. And the best way to do that, obviously, is with recurring revenue. Revenue that you know that you're going to get in month after month. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. It doesn't even have to be the majority of the, of, you know, the income that you bring in. But just having that cushion that, that's there that you know you're going to get over and over again is a great place to start. So instead of relying so much on billing by the hour or billing by the project, and then you're at the, the mercy of whatever projects come in or you're able to go in and get, is to think about what kind of content that you create, what type of expertise do you create that is somewhat unique. And it doesn't have to be perfectly unique. It just has to be something that no one else, you know, that other people haven't seen yet. Even if the other people are, are saying much of the same things, it's like if they haven't seen it, then it's new to them. And can you sell that? I mean, it used to be you could sell a printed newsletter, and those days are gone by, but you can also sell digital subscriptions and you can do all kinds of things like that. Uh, can you sell you know, uh, group FaceTime chats or something like that uh, using your expertise in, in a group setting or something like that? So think about all the things that you can be doing then that you can charge by the month for or by the year for that that people would, would want to partake of. And then you know, you'll know that you have that money in the bank. And so that's what I see a lot of solopreneurs do is that they rely too heavily on on projects and that sort of thing. And then what happens is you have a very uneven cash flow coming in and that just wreaks havoc on everybody's bottom line. Right. And so besides recurring revenue, are there some other basic steps that you think are important? Well, I think, first of all, the discovery is, is huge and that's an, an area that's near and dear to my heart. So discovery is not a one-time process. So a lot of people think, will think who are familiar with the sales process think of it as, as discovery is sort of like, okay, after you've made a connection and you're talking to somebody who you hope is the decision maker is to ask a lot of smart questions. For the love of God, please do not ask, tell me about your business today, because if you're asking that question, then you're not the person that can help me. Uh, there are plenty of other resources that are out there for free that you can check out so that you'll never have to ask that question. You know, of course, one of the things that we do is we provide a lot of background intelligence for, uh, for companies then to ask smarter questions and things like you can't find online. But geez, start with the stuff that's online first and try to learn as much as you can about the business. And then the other thing that I encourage a lot of people to do that some people, a lot of people don't do actually is to think of the client as a person uh, rather than a business entity. And so that means trying to figure out then why is, in, why is growth important to them? Are they willing to sacrifice what it, you know, what it takes to achieve that growth, or are they just so comfortable with what they're doing that they're really not a prospect then for you to be able to help and, and sell more of your products or services to? So the discovery process, as far as both as a company, understand your a potential client as a company and what their needs and wants are and what, what their goals and objectives are is, is one thing, but understanding the person who's actually pulling the trigger and you know, what's in it for them you know, personally. And if you can understand that, then it's like that you have a leg up over a lot of other, a lot of other consultants or solopreneurs that 
that are selling their wares to them because if you're asking smarter questions, deeper questions. Shut up. Listen to the answers to the questions. Listen all the way through because the best stuff is usually at the end of what they're telling you. And uh, if you can do those types of things, you're going to be you know, head and shoulders above other competitors in the, in the marketplace. Now, going back to the discovery process itself, are there techniques that you find work really well in terms of either getting some information from the prospect in advance of the actual discovery conversation mm-hmm. or things you can do during the discovery conversation that will really unlock the kind of goal that you just described that often happens towards the end of the conversation. Yeah, that, that's two That's two separate questions. Yeah, it is two separate questions. And they go together really well, though. So obviously, the way that you're going to get better information and better insight out of your discovery conversation is doing research before the conversation. And if you can do that, that's going to and allow that to pique your curiosity and, and to ask yourself, huh, I want to know more about that. Or, gee, I wonder why the owner says that. Or I wonder why they think that's a business opportunity. Or, or you know, why do they you know, think that, uh, that that's a, a good approach toward growing business and that sort of thing. Allow yourself to do that. You know, but the only way you can do that, though, is to actually start doing some research, digging through news clippings, looking at social media, uh, looking at whatever thought, pro- thought leadership is out there, and trying to understand the, the client, again, both as a business and as a person, as deeply as you can. And then that's going to allow you to ask smarter questions during the discovery conversation. And, you know, I, I think that that's a, uh, that allows you, then also during the discovery conversation is like, if you can help them understand things about themselves that they didn't understand before, because people love talking about themselves. And so if your discovery questions or your, your, your conversation is, uh, is good enough, if you can get them to, to realize something about themselves that they didn't know before or whatever, they're going to feel like their conversation with you was very enriching. And so, you know, that helps a lot. Right. Not only enriching, but they're actually gaining value from it. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's the thing. As long as they keep getting value from you, they're going to want to keep talking to you. And then eventually they're going to be willing to pay for it. Right. So that leads me to another question, which is, so if you're having this conversation where you're helping the client reveal something where they're realizing that there is a possible transformation or maybe just the transformation in their own thinking has already produced some value. When do you know that it's time to start charging? Well, but before we get to that point, there's another thing that I wanted to add to that, which is, you know, it's one thing for you to uncover needs and maybe uncover a need that they didn't know that they had, but they still have to be motivated enough to actually want to sacrifice the time, the energy, or maybe even the money then to actually f- fulfill that. So, the time to actually do that is when you realize that it's a want and not a need. So a lot of people like to do needs analysis, and we still call it needs analysis, when really the, it's more powerful to discover what they want. So an example of that might be, I have to make a decision about what I'm going to have for lunch. I really need to eat a salad, but I really want a slice of pizza. So guess what I'm going to have for lunch today? <laughs> so you know, wants usually trump needs. And so when you, when you make that transition from you know, talking to them about what they need instead of talking to them about and now you're talking to them about what they want and what they want to do and why they want to do it. That's time. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, are there other points that you wanted to bring up? Because I wanted to go back to the recurring revenue part of our conversation again. But if, mm-hmm. th- if there are other major points, let's talk about them first. 
one of the things I like to do when I'm when I'm dealing with solopreneurs and and and, and chatting with them is that uh, one of the things that comes up is that if they're reluctant to do, get into sales, I want to go back to you know an earlier part of our conversation is that you know, I need to go out and hire a salesperson. I need to hire somebody that's going to make calls for me or that's going to go and make presentations for me and that sort of thing. And that's not always the best idea. If you've never hired a salesperson before, there's risk involved because the thing is, is that some salespeople are really good talkers. And the thing is, like the salesperson that, that you talk to during an interview, for example, you'll, that's the best sales job they'll ever do, and you'll never see that salesperson again. And so there's risk involved. And so you have to do some things to mitigate the risk. For example, I like to rely on data. I like to rely on analytics. Uh, I like to look at uh, you know who they are from a behavioral standpoint. I like to look at what their motivations are from from a standpoint, I like to know what their their view of the world is. I'd like to know when, when they're presented with new information, do they view that as how does this affect me or do they view it as how does this affect us and things of that nature. And so I like to rely on data then to back up, you know, what I'm what I'm hearing. I like to say that when you're hiring salespeople, that you can believe half of what you see and even less of what you hear. And so you need data to help you stack the deck in your favor. But even more importantly than that, I would say to the solopreneur is that there is no one no one out there that's going to be as passionate about what you do and the value that you bring to the world than you. There's no one who's going to understand it better. Now, that could be a two-edged sword. Uh, and the fact that if you're like me and you know your product so well and everything like that, sometimes you just want to talk and talk and talk. And, you know, you know, sales is really not about talking. It's about shutting up. And it's about helping and it's not selling. And so there's a danger in that, but understand that whatever salesperson you hire is not going to be as passionate about your product, not going or your service or, or, or see the need that you see in the world that, that you see uh, in almost every instance. And so you now, even though you're not necessarily don't view yourself as good as sales, you know, it's that passion, that passion will actually overcome a lot of deficiencies that you might have as a salesperson. Sounds good. And Lee, what has worked well? for you in your business to build consistent, stable revenue? Well, for me, it starts off with that being a thought leader, obviously. So we, I put a lot of content out there, a lot, every single day. And, you know, and, and I'm active in doing, I'm active then in interacting with people that want to ask me questions about that content because it a lot of times broadens my horizons and gets me to think about things that I haven't really thought about before. I think that the, what's really important, though, uh, is to develop a mid-funnel strategy. And what does that mean? Typically, a sales funnel, it, you have a top of funnel, a middle funnel, and you have a bottom funnel. And the top of the funnel is, is leads. They're, they're suspects, people who you think might be you know, potential clients of yours. And you put those in that top of the funnel and you filter your way down. At the bottom of the funnel is like when you get somebody who's qualified or whatever, and then you're actually then making a presentation or making a recommendation to them based off of what their wants and impacts are. And uh, the middle of the funnel, though, is where uh, in the past, you know, I've not always done it so well. And so we've really dedicated ourselves to improving that, which is, yeah, I've met somebody at a networking event. Uh, I got somebody uh, as a referral. By the way, referrals are an excellent way to generate revenue from your existing clientele. You know, because if you like somebody, that, you know, client that you're particularly working with, a great way to handle that is like, you know, I'm trying to grow my, my practice or my business and I really enjoy working with you and I'd like to have more clients like you. Is there anybody else that you know whether that I might be able to help? That's a great question to ask. You're not asking, hey, I need a testimonial or I need a referral. Can you give me one? It's like you don't, you don't want to ask the question that way because then it's very self-serving. But you know, asking for a referral in that way where you, where you let them know that, I, that you're one of my favorite people and I want to have more people like you, can you help? People are always willing to help, uh, especially if you, you come across with uh, 
some humility. So anyway, that that's that's an important one. Mm, and now going back to recurring revenue, what what has worked for you in terms of building recurring revenue as part of your business? So for me, it's really about providing things that that you know that have to be sticky. So that's one of those things you just can't provide something that people can can get once and expect them to pay for it over and over again. You have to be providing continuous, consistent value and insight and information and and helping them to to improve themselves or their business. So what you want to look for there, if you, if you want recurring revenue, you need recurring value. And that's definitely one of the things that, 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 that I found works best for me. I think the other thing I, I wanted to point out is constantly reinventing yourself, you know, because things, the only thing that's, that, that's constant is change. And the marketplace is changing, businesses are changing, people change, and your clientele is also going to change, and you need to be able to change with it. And, you know, I mean, 15 years ago, we didn't have smartphones. And then you go back 30 years ago, it's like, you know, most people didn't have the internet. So, I mean, that's just a couple of examples of how rapidly things change. Social media was not that big of a deal 10 years ago. And whereas now it's like you have, you know, you, you can really communicate with prospects and get the word out and be seen as a thought leader by using social media correctly. Lee, what can we look forward to in the near future from you? What's coming up? Right now, we're working on a a major product introduction called Sales Fuel Coach, and that's used by sales managers and sales enablement managers and who have sales teams as small as three or four people, as as big as 100, 200 people. And that really starts with discovery from a different perspective. We typically think of the discovery process of understanding a client or a customer, but it's just as important. It's actually more important than for a sales manager to understand his or her own team and understand what makes a salesperson tick. And it's not just looking at their metrics and it's like, well, what, what was your win rate? What's your closing rate? And all that sort of thing. It's really about understanding them as people and what motivates them to take the activities that are, to do the activities that are required then to make the sales that, that make the number. And we find that by managing to those types of things and managing to someone's mindset or their philosophies or their motivations actually is a much more powerful way to manage a sales team and then also to coach them so you can develop them and help them grow professionally, especially when dealing with the younger set, uh, whether it be millennials, Gen Zs. I mean, they're all out there looking for professional development on how they can improve their careers and improve their contributions to the team. And uh, they're looking for that. And if they're not getting it from you, they're going to get it from someplace else. So that constant growth and development of, of a sales team is something that we think is absolutely essential to success as we go into the 2020s. And uh, that's why we created a platform that actually helps managers actually keep on top of that and do it well. Lee, if uh, someone wants to learn more about this platform or, in fact, wants to go deeper with anything that you've shared today, where would they go? A great place to start is the website, salesfuel.com. You'll also then uh, be able to click on the Sales Smarter tab. You'll be able to see all the products and services that we have there. We've got a blog. We've got a mobile app. We've got the Manage Smarter podcast for managers. We've got a Sell Smarter video podcast that we put out every month uh, with a very with a different sales enablement te- technique that, you know, even if you're not a salesperson, I think you, you can learn a lot about sales just by watching that once a month. Sounds great. Lee, is there anything else you'd like to share before we close out? Uh, never underestimate the, the power of discovery. You know, you can really move the needle by, you know, by not just knowing a, a customer, but actually understanding a customer and understanding then uh, how your product or service can actually be used to solve a problem or to achieve a goal. That's really, and you know, your product is not a solution, 
until it's actually used effectively to achieve a goal or to solve that problem. And that's the role that, that, that you play in the, in the fact that you can actually help them uh, use a product or service, you know, and, and use it well to, to, to achieve what they want to achieve. Well said. My guest today has been CEO and founder of SalesFuel, C. Lee Smith. Lee, thank you again for joining us. Thanks for having me, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to improve your sales skills and how Lee has built consistent, stable revenue in his own business. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.